I find a curiosity in people to be uh, quite attractive. Uh, there's something that's very pure about it, and we see a lot of this in children. They feel no shame or about asking or uh, saying whatever's on their minds. If something arouses their curiosity, there is no stopping them. They will see it to the end, no matter the cost. I used to get into a lot of trouble as a kid because of this. Uh, if I was told not to touch or press something, uh, I had to find out why I was told not to do that. Yet, uh, it seems that as we get older, we lose the capacity to be curious. We stop asking questions and we draw conclusions instead. Or even if we're curious about things, we don't seem to let it show as much as we do to others and keep it to ourselves. And perhaps it's because we deem it acceptable when we're little, but unusual and even annoying to others when we're adults. And because of that, we become more formal, less open, and less expressive. In today's age of information overload and instant gratification, I feel like we've ceased to be a people who are curious, especially about those who are around us. Rather than curiosity, there is indifference, and we seem to be more isolated than ever before, and have forgotten what it is to really relate to one another. In a way, it's not what the internet and the social media have done. It made us passive. There is no active engagement. And instead of going to the actual person, we rely on the information that is made available about that person. And from that information, we make assumptions and judgments. And we let those assumptions and judgments be our guiding principle. So we live under this illusion that we know them, when in reality, we really don't know a thing or two about them. And I believe this is the idea that is challenged in today's passage. Nathaniel was no different. He thought he knew a thing or two about Christ. When Philip invites him to go see this man whom the prophets wrote about in the Old Testament, he replies by saying, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was an insignificant village. So to Nathaniel, the idea that the Messiah would come from such a place was a bit ridiculous. It made no sense. But what I find more interesting here is how Philip counters this question from Nathaniel. He doesn't even bother trying to convince him logically. Instead, he simply says, come and see. When you think about it, it's a brilliant way of answering a question by not answering it at the same time. Come and see. I wonder why Philip might have said this. Because earlier in the chapter, we find that Jesus says the same thing to other disciples who ask him where he's staying. It says, when Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. They came and saw, and they remained. That's all that the writer tells us. We have no idea what the disciples saw, but we know what they saw was enough for them to stay with Jesus from then on. The same sense of mystery carries into Philip's encounter with Jesus. All that Jesus tells him is to follow him, and he does. And the next thing we know is that he goes to, he goes to Nathaniel and invites him to do the same. 
Again, but no explanation. He leaves the choice in Nathaniel's hands either to confront his own assumptions or to remain where he is. As I was reflecting on this, I was very much reminded of the experience I had in Cuba last month. A few Sundays ago, Simon shared about his reflections on our trip from Knox, but some people came up to me afterwards and asked me uh, about my thoughts on the trip as well, so I thought it'd be fitting to share them with you on, as part of today's message. All in all, it was a wonderful trip, uh, not only for myself, but for all the students that went on it. It impacted each and every one of us in ways that we did not expect. But in the weeks leading up to the trip, I sensed this unspoken sentiment for a lot of us in class, which was, is this really necessary? After all, the trip was happening during one of the busier times in our studies, and if not worse, over the reading week. And besides, some of us were also in ministry and families, so we knew that we had a lot to catch up after we got back. And as a part of our preparation for the trip, we read different materials about Cuba and their history, and also about mission, but the question still lingered, is this really necessary? And two particular experiences there answered this question. So fast forward to the first Sunday that we were there, we attended a service at a Presbyterian church that was located about 20 minutes away from Havana. Just before the service began, I noticed that the back door of the sanctuary was open, or wide open, so I decided to sort of step outside for a little bit, because it was a bit stuffy in the church. And what was almost surreal and strange was that the very moment I stepped out onto the sidewalk of the neighborhood, I felt as though I had stepped out into a whole other world. I was actually originally going to show a picture that I took, but I thought maybe a short video clip might do better. So I prepared something for you. We'll watch it first. So that's where I was standing, and I just took a short video and I just panned it. You hear the dogs barking, the smell, the noise, the air. Everything just felt different. I felt like I was finally in Cuba. Because the comfort and the convenience of being at the hotel and doing the sightseeing of the city was, were nice. It was nice. But I felt like those things sort of kept us sheltered in a way. So after lunch, we had about a half hour break till we had to attend like some sort of a seminar. So I went for a little rendezvous around the area. We were advised to move around in pairs, but for safety reasons, but I decided to sneak out alone. So I began by walking down the street with no plan in mind. I randomly turned a few corners and passed by some houses. I even looked into some of them through the windows and saw a family sitting inside, just hanging out watching TV and kids playing with Lego. But the most memorable moment from that walk was coming across this scene. Next picture, please. A woman crouching by a garbage dump Sorting through, sorting through some things. I was just walking and I saw this, and seeing this in that instant hit me in such a way that I could not articulate in words. And you could say, poor, whatever, it just doesn't begin to sum up what that experience was like. And to me, this was the reality. And ironically, without witnessing something like this at the time, the seminar that I attended afterwards which was on Cuban life and family, would not have made one bit of sense to me. It would have been just facts. And the third picture I'm going to show you uh, was taken at a school in Matanzas, which was where we stayed for the remainder of the trip. 
So if you go over to the other side, that's like the baseball field and whatnot. So I was with all the students from Knox. I wasn't alone at this time. And Simon was there too. And while we were out for a walk in the neighborhood, we came across a group of kids playing baseball at a school. At first, we stood by and watched the game for a little bit. While some of the kids were sitting far, noticed us and began to talk amongst themselves. We were as exotic to them as they were exotic to us. And I think for a lot of us, in that, at that moment, the initial instinct was to observe a little, not engage, and walk away. But instead, we, the Canadians, decided to sit ourselves amongst the kids. Nothing happened for a while. No conversation. Everyone just watched the game. But I could sense that there was this kid sitting right beside me. He kept glancing over as if he wanted to say something. And you could tell by a smirk, that little smirk he had on his face. So at one point, with my little knowledge of Spanish, I asked him what his name was. I said, ¿Cómo se llama? And he tells me his name. And all it took was that one simple question that broke the ice instantly and made this kid blossom with smile and laughter. And before he knew it, he was calling his friends over, and I was speaking in charades with them. And it looked nothing like Jackie Chan, but they kept saying, Oh, rush hour, rush hour. And Simon was, uh, and Simon on the other end, he, he was invited to play baseball with them, and he was to them El Chino, which is Chinese and Spanish. <laughs> and this Simon, actually, uh, afterwards, I asked, because, you know, they actually, these kids are really good at baseball, so if he'd got some of them to come and join our softball team, we'd be, we'd be first place, I guarantee you. And um, what happened was, yes, they asked Simon to play, but they just didn't let him play. They put him through, like, hoops, like a three stages of tryouts. So first, they had him, had him throw the ball. He didn't tell you guys this when he preached last week, like two weeks ago. They had him throw the ball first, and they had him bat. And then on the third one, they put him on the first base. And then he comes to, Simon came up to me afterwards the game. He's like, I got put on the first base. You know what that means? And I don't know a lot about sports. So I was like, what does that mean? He's like, that means I suck. <laughs> but anyways, what began as an intentional act of sitting down with them rather than away from them ended up really becoming the experience for us in our entire trip. Again, no amount of reading and studying could have amounted to the kind of reality we were exposed to in that brief time together. And as the students, we still talk about amongst ourselves, now, even nowadays, of how invaluable the entire experience was. So to answer the question, was it necessary? Yes, more so than that. Come and see. What a profound statement it is. Because it tells us that without going, there's no seeing. And unless we go and see, we simply won't know. There's knowing that comes from knowledge, but there's also knowing that comes from the actual encounter with the thing itself. And that's the knowing, I believe, that brings about true transformation in all of us. But it all begins from a place of curiosity. And I believe that is the quality that Jesus honored in Nathaniel. He certainly had his assumptions, but that did not stop him from going to see Jesus. He had his doubts, but he's far from indifferent. And he was genuinely curious, and that came from his heart. It was in the actual going and encountering Jesus that Nathaniel was able to know him as the Son of God. The Son of God who saw him when he sat alone under the fig tree and affirmed him for who he was. So may we be a community of people who never lose that sense of curiosity. 
people who are willing to question their assumptions and judgments. And I pray that out of our genuine interest for one another, we'll be able to have deep and meaningful conver conversation and encounters that remind us of God's love. Love that is willing to meet and know the other where they are and as they are. Love that could be expressed in simple presence and touch. And that's why I love this community, and I haven't even been here for that long. It's like one big eclectic family. Here people are who they are, and they're embraced for being who they are. And I see this all the way from adult congregation down to our youths and children. Last weekend, our high seas had their annual March break retreat. And each year, there always seems to be a student or two who are very adamant about coming. So it forces me to try to, you know, try every method of persuasion in the book, sometimes to the point of deploying the most extroverted students in the high seat to try to get them to come. And I understand, they may be new to the church and find the big crowds at the retreats overwhelming and intimidating, but by God's grace, they all end up coming and are transformed by the love and the inclusion they experience in the community. And usually uh, every year on the last night, we started doing this candlelight sharing where we just express what's on our thoughts. And there's one word that just comes up every single time. Thankful for the community. And as a pastor, seeing that is one of the great joys in ministry. So today, I know it might be a little awkward, but I want to invite you guys to look around. People beside you, behind you. No, seriously, try. Go. <laughs> Beside you, behind you, in front of you. Take a good look at them. I mean, you've known, you know, you've probably known some of them for a while. But really, see each and every one of them as an invitation to really come and see. So uh, may we all go forth today and see things God will do that are greater than what we can ever imagine. Let us sing together.